Good morning. I'm Playbook Editor Mike DeBonis. It's Thursday, October 26th. Here's what's driving the day. We're following news of a mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine last night, with multiple news outlets reporting at least 22 dead. The White House said President Joe Biden has been briefed on the shooting, and Maine Senator Angus King said he was headed to Lewiston on the first available flight, quote, given the horrific nature of the events, unquote. We're also following the first signs of a breakthrough in the six-week-old United Auto Workers strike against the big three domestic automakers. The UAW yesterday announced it had reached a tentative agreement with Ford, raising hopes that the end of the strike could be near. The agreement, however, still needs to be presented to and ratified by union members, and there's no guarantee that the other two, General Motors or Stellantis, will quickly follow suit. And finally, we're waking up for the first time in 23 days with an elected Speaker of the House. It's four-term Representative Mike Johnson of Louisiana, who was sworn in yesterday after succeeding where Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, and Tom Emmer could not, uniting House Republicans behind him. Joining me now to discuss everything you ever wanted to know about the new House Speaker is our Politics Bureau Chief and Senior Columnist, Jonathan Martin. Good morning, J. Mark. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me from merry old England, it turns out. <laughs> Here you go. What a treat. Well, let's start with this. Mr. Martin, you are a noted Louisiana-file. <laughs> uh, what do you make of the fact that you have a speaker and a House Majority Leader, both from the state? I believe you observe, not since Hale Boggs, Russell Long, and Edward A. Bear rocked the earth, <laughs> has there been such a concentration of Louisiana political power in Washington. Well, first of all, I should say full disclosure, my wife is the one who's from Louisiana, but I have all the passion of a convert uh, when it comes to New Orleans in particular. Um, but this is a, a heady a heady time for uh, folks in Louisiana because um, it's remarkable that the same state has the speaker and the majority leader in the House. In a state, by the way, that this is not California or New York or even Florida with those massive delegations, Mike, that, that you know so well. Um, this is a state that really is punching above its weight here politically. The most important thing folks should know is that Scalise and Johnson uh, while, you know, friends and conservatives uh, and allies, um, you know, one is from North Louisiana, the other is from South Louisiana. And the, the rich political history of the state is sort of tied to the history of the state and the demography of the state. And the, the short version is this. North Louisiana is much closer to the Deep South. It's more Baptist. It, it is it's much more traditionally culturally conservative, more akin to the Bible Belt. Think South Arkansas, East Texas. South Louisiana, of course, is much closer to what people think of when they think Louisiana, if they're not from Louisiana, which is uh, more French influence, more Roman Catholic, uh, and yes, includes Cajun country. And so Johnson is from that North Louisiana model. He's from a small town north of Shreveport called Benton. And of course, Scalise is from suburban New Orleans. And so they do kind of reflect the yin and yang culturally and politically of the two halves of the state. So speaking of yin and yang, you wrote a tremendous column last week titled Why the GOP Can't Unite. The basic thesis of that was that the modern Republican Party isn't really one party. It's a shotgun marriage of two parties, the pre-Trump movement conservative party and the post-Trump populist party. What does Mike Johnson's ascension here say about all that? Well, look, I think Johnson's 
best whips for this vote yesterday were called fatigue and embarrassment. <laughs> um, and, 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 uh, those were the crucial players for him. Look, they they be in the House conference. We're, we're so, at this point, despondent over the state of affairs, and I think we're desperate to find an answer to this short of turning over the reins to the Democrats. And that, Mike, as you know uh, better than anybody, so much on Capitol Hill gets done when people are just exhausted, right? And they just are desperate to get stuff done, and often because they want to go home for the holidays, or they just want to go home for recess. And I think that was a big factor, too. Just, just tired of it all. That said, from a political standpoint, the shorthand on Johnson is going to be, of course, his role in the aftermath of the 2020 election. If he's known for anything outside of the House conference, that's really it. And sort of his role in trying to help Trump uh, overturn the results of the election. But, you know, Johnson is really a pre-Trump conservative, Mike. He reminds me of the old taxonomy of the Republican Party, right, where you had the kind of center-right business establishment in the cultural conservatives. That was the old shorthand for the GOP. And he certainly falls into the cultural conservatives. Look, he made his name as a conservative attorney working for um, Christian conservative groups. He was working for an arm of the Southern Baptist Commission in Louisiana, You know, very involved with trying to promote covenant marriage. Right. This is a wing of the party that was sort of seen as being in retreat, the whole sort of Ralph Reed sort of uh, Christian conservative. And here he is, you know, his background in many ways sort of smacks of that of Mike Pence. He had this radio, he had radio shows, he was writing columns, he was sort of this yeah, evangelist. Literally for, and figuratively an evangelist. Uh, exactly. Religious yeah, right yeah. conservatism. But you add on to this engagement in this MAGA election business, it's fascinating stuff. And I think if some of your listeners you know, may know the name Tony Perkins, who's been a sort of Christian conservative uh, advocate for years, uh, ran, the, ran the FRC. You know, Tony is from Louisiana, he's a former state senate uh, 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 figure uh, in, in Baton Rouge. I, that's kind of the shorthand here for who uh, Johns reminds me of, kind of that sort of Tony Perkins, Southern, more evangelical um, in his orientation. I think that that's kind of what this is. Uh, and so in that way, it's really a melding of kind of the the pre-Trump Christian right and sort of the post-Trump, um, you know, sort of MAGA crowd. And boy, what I'm most interested in is the first thing that he's going to face here, which is going to be this this Ukraine question. You know, he's obviously uh, been somebody who was you know, voting against Ukraine aid, Mike. But what does he do now as Speaker of the House when the Senate takes up a bill that funds, obviously, Ukraine, but also Israel, potentially Taiwan? Yeah, we're going to find out about that really fast, you know, really quickly. Um, and, and let's let's talk briefly about the job that he has actually been chosen to do. He's in his fourth term. We looked this up the other night. It's been 140 years since a member with less House experience has been elected speaker. We published uh, an excellent piece yesterday from Brendan Buck, the f- former top aide to two GOP speakers, basically saying this guy is about to learn how much he doesn't know about running the House. So where does that leave the House vis-a-vis the other power centers in Washington, the Senate, the White House? And where does it leave Johnson vis-a-vis the other leaders in the House? I don't think Mike Johnson has ever had a conversation in his life with the president of the United States. He is now second in line for the presidency. Uh, Mike, I'm not sure that he's ever shared a room with Joe Biden in his entire career. Um, I don't think he has a relationship with Mitch McConnell or Chuck Schumer either. 
Um, so I think that is remarkable. He's starting anew with the other leaders and the other uh, institutions uh, in Washington, uh, the Senate, and of course the White House. I think that is striking. Um, but even in his own chamber, you know, you think about the speakers that we've known in our lifetimes and the careers they had in the House. John Boehner in the leadership. Then he's chairman of of, of the Education Committee. He's the point man on, on No Child Left Behind for, for for George W. Bush. Then he comes back to the leadership after Tom DeLay uh, obviously is indicted and steps down. You know, Paul Ryan, uh, you know, VP nominee, budget committee chairman, sort of this Wall Street Journal supply side acolyte. Uh, uh, forever negotiated a big negotiated a big budget deal. Like that was a big big thing. You know, actually you know, did something. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi grows up literally in the house because her dad was a member of then, of course, mayor of Baltimore, you know, wins, gets on appropriations, gets on Intel, finally becomes leader in 2002. Uh, uh, but only after 15 years that, you know, in the house at that point, um, uh, you think it just goes on and on and on. All the modern speakers that we know put in so much time. They knew the institution. They knew the committees. They knew the delegations, where to find votes. And, um, you know, he really is starting anew. And, you know, you mentioned Steve Scalise, uh, his uh, Louisiana delegation mate, the majority leader. I mean, you know, you got to think that he's going to be pulling a lot of the weight here. And then, and and can I just say, I think, Mike, one of the great sub-themes of the next few months is going to be this interplay between Jeff Landry, himself, a briefly a former House guy, mm. the new mm-hmm. uh, uh, Louisiana governor as of January, Steve Scalise, the majority leader, and now Mike Johnson, the speaker, all three 50-something Louisiana Republicans. And Watching closely is going to be a fourth 50-something Louisiana Republican, Garrett Graves, who, of course, was a close Kevin McCarthy ally who didn't run for governor in part because Kevin McCarthy made him kind of de facto deputy speaker. And now Garrett Graves has seen Kevin McCarthy lose the speakership, and Garrett himself is at risk of losing his seat in Louisiana because of the court-mandated redraw of the state's congressional map. And if you're Garrett Graves right now, and you look around, and you wonder what's going to happen to that seat, and you see who's governor, who's speaker, and who's a majority leader— Well, that's pretty daunting. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you, Jonathan Martin. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. And for your schedule today, the House is in and back to real legislative work with plans to finish up the energy and water approach spell this afternoon. The Senate is also in continuing work on a three bill minibus appropriations package. The Senate Judiciary Committee notably is also meeting this morning to take up the nominations of six district judges. President Biden, meanwhile, has no public events scheduled. And on the campaign trail, former President Donald Trump is holding a big fundraiser tonight at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Palm Beach, Florida. I'm Mike DeBonis. Thanks for listening.